is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Let's dance. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. Let's dance to the song they're playing on the radio. That was Layla Bayali with Let's Dance, her take on the David Bowie classic. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we're really lucky because we bring someone who's shaping the world of business. We call them business shapers. My business shaper today, I'm very pleased to say, is John Sims Hilditch. And John is the co-founder of Neptune. And if you're in the know, you will know that they make amazing kitchens and do other wonderful things for your home. You're going to be hearing lots about his story and how he's helped grow this business into a significant one across the UK and beyond. Lots coming up from John. In addition to hearing from him, you'll be hearing a new feature called The News Sessions, where Paddy O'Connell will be discussing GDPR with Mishkondorea lawyers, a real insight into a very important topic. And on top of that, of course, you'll be hearing some music from the Shapers of Jazz, Blues and Soul, including Jameson Ross, Snarky Puppy, and this from the brilliant John Coulter. <laughs> That was John Coltrane with Just For The Love. And just for the love of it, John Sims Hilditch is here. He's my uh, business shape today, co-founder of Neptune, as I said. They're in the business of making kitchens and lots of other parts of your home look fantastic and work in a brilliant way too. Thank you so much for joining, John. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's very kind. Now, tell me what Neptune is and, and how Neptune happened. Let's, let's go start where we are now and then we'll go back a little bit to 1996. Okay, so today Neptune is um, creating a, a look and a lifestyle for, for your home and you can create a whole home using um, all the lovely things that we do um, from a kitchen, as you indicated, but, you know, simple accessories, candles. So we, we sort of focus on all the senses and try and make um, homes beautiful places. That's where we are today, but that isn't where we started in 96. Where did you start in 1996? In 96, we started with the desire to create a business without much of a particular um, angle on where we would go with that at all and I had uh, two kids and one on the way and my business partner Giles um, had recently um, left Reading University where he, he had done a little bit of work but had a lot more fun I think um, and um, and we we decided we want to start something together and it was summer of 96 and we were discussing ideas, and he said, uh, I'd sold a few Mexican hammocks in uh, when I was at Reading University and explained what the advantages were. And, um, I, and I said, well, I don't think that really is an ideal product for the UK. Um, but we were discussing the design of them and the benefits of them and said, well, why don't we try and make one that's sort of styled for the UK market? And so that was the start of a sort of design uh, journey that we went down um, and we created this beautiful hammock um, with canvas and rope and it was quite nautical um, 
I had the two kids I mentioned, and so we made it kids safe. You couldn't kids couldn't fall out. We made this wonderful hammock, um, and we got to the point um, of, the, of, of the of the end product. And I turned to Giles and I said, Giles, how many guys do you know or friends of yours have got two trees in the in the perfect place? <laughs> and uh, we realised that our product might not have much success as it stood. But I sort of went back into my um, military days and I said, we used to use this kind of A-frame structure in the jungle to hold ourselves off the ground. Uh, why don't we try and adapt that for one end of the hammock? Because a lot of people got one tree. So we created this A-frame, worked really well. And actually, we worked out once we'd done it that the A-frame could stand at both ends. You didn't need any trees. Um, so we, that was our hang-anywhere hammock at that point. Um, and we sold 5,500 hammocks in our first year. So we kind of fell into the hammock world. Now, um, you mentioned in passing there that the reference to the A-frame and your military days uh, it should be said. I'm talking to a captain here, or an ex-captain rather, Coldstream Guards, up to about 94. Um, I've had many friends along the way that have spent a time in the Army and they go up to the 10-year piece. First question, what made you want to go into the Army? And then second part of that is when you left, which was in 94, obviously a couple of years before you set the business up, what was the world holding for John at that point? I think um, going into the army, it was actually a number of very small influences. Um, I didn't want to continue with further education, having um, gone through school. I was desperate to move on from that. Um, I had a friend who, um, or a couple of friends actually, who were talking about going um, into the military. Um, I like being outside and fit and so on and so forth. And I thought, well, maybe I'll have a go at that. And that was really, it was really nothing more, nothing less than that. And it was sort of a, a, a sort of um, a happy event, I suppose. And you obviously, you obviously enjoyed your time. I had a great time, but I also determined when I went in that it wasn't going to be something I would stay with. So I sort of set my limit um, as I went in because I wanted to make sure that I moved on to something else. Now, part two of that question we're going to hold for a moment because I think we're going to bring in some more music and then we're going to come back to the part two, which is what did the world hold for John in 1994? Right now, though, this is Jamison Ross. Hey, y'all want to go down here, man? Good That was Jamison Ross. I'm talking to John Sims Hilditch today. He's my uh, business shape. He's also the co-founder of Neptune. And he's also an ex-captain from the army. And we're talking about your army days, which um, it does sound like you enjoyed it. and You got from it what you wanted, which was a a good thing. So come 94, you leave. Was there a sense of, I know what I'm going to do? There was no sense of what I was going to do. But um, I I was very happy to be moving on to something else. and that was the time that I met my business partner in um, actually I, was, I went to go and work with my dad for a very short period of time and it, the way that his business operated wasn't kind of my idea of a business um, having the military experience I had and so um, but I met Giles at the same time and so and we were just young and uh, very naive and we said let's just do something together don't know what so we both kind of quit and decided to start, start something on our own. But that in itself is not what everyone does. Most, some people just fall into a corporate job and just get on with it and put their head down. What do you think inside of you drove you to decide, yeah, let's just do it, let's, let's do something for me and something for, you know, where you would be your own boss? 
I think actually that was my military experience. I had a lot of autonomy, although one imagines and you see that the military is very organised, very controlled, lots of orders and all the rest of it. Actually, individually, you have a huge amount of autonomy and I just really didn't think that working in a uh, structure um, was what I wanted. In fact, one of the reasons, and I'm sure I wasn't necessarily right about this because I never went through the experience, but one of the reasons I determined that I didn't want to stay in the military was because when you are at the, in the junior officer levels, you, have, you do have this huge autonomy looking after your own, so, own soldiers and your goodness knows where. But as you go, get into more senior ranks, my perception was you're more office-based and in a more controlled environment, and it didn't really wasn't what I wanted. Now, 5,500 hammocks year one, pretty good. Yeah. Um, when did the hammock business start to morph into something else, and how did that happen? Uh, well, the, <laughs> the hammock business morphed into something else quite quickly, um, as a soldier, I was very keen that we were very uh, disciplined and followed a single route. But Giles, as I would definitely do a- what you told me to, by the way, I can just, <laughs> you've just got that look. You're like, don't mess with, don't mess with Captain John. Oh well, Giles does mess with Captain John regularly. <laughs> <laughs> That's different. You, you've known each other for twenty years. We have, yeah. And he, uh, uh, he, he's always looking for lots of new ideas all the time. And I gave him one um, uh, accidentally because uh, I had made our, our um, garden table at home, which w- consisted of a door with four pieces of wood on it, which I thought was very elegant and sophisticated. You could fold it up and put it away. But um, Emma, my wife, who has a very uh, keen eye for quality, decided that there must be something better than the table I had made. So she said, whilst we went to this trade fair early on in our hammock experience, she said, why don't you, uh, you know, whilst you're there, could you find me a table? Anyway, Giles um, disappeared off at the trade fair and he came back extremely excited and said, um, I've, I've found a whole container of tables. And I said, oh, and I was going, oh, no, please. <laughs> but that was, uh, we sort of fell into those tables, which were not um, perfect, but were made by a really uh, great team in Guyana. And so we went on from that point to designing our own first set of garden furniture. Um, and uh, we suddenly had a sort of a broader collection than just the hammock. And then we went back out of um, we went back to our own workshops and also started thinking about what else we wanted to create. And we designed well. We we thought about doing a deck chair, and that turned out when we were in in the workshop working on it. I said to Giles, if we put these bits of wood a different way, it would rock. And um, we weren't entirely sure, but we tried it, and it did. Um, we then spent a little bit of time trying to work out the geometry, how we could make it rock and fold, and we came up with. Um, what we think was probably the first rocking deck chair, which is now fairly ubiquitous, um, and we sold those to Habitat and lots of uh, well-known uh, companies at the time. So we were creating lots of different garden products quite quickly. And right now, just for the for the record, there's 25 stores in the UK, a few across Europe, and other distribution platforms as well for this business, and around 800 people in it. Not bad, eh? From a, a few hammocks. From a hammock. From yeah. a hammock, uh, the, the humble hammock. Um, much more coming up from John, my business shape, in a couple of minutes. But first, I promised it earlier, it's something new. It's called The News Sessions. It's with Paddy O'Connell. He's in conversation with a couple of Mishkondorea lawyers, and he's talking on the subject of GDPR. The News Sessions with Paddy O'Connell. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Hello and welcome to a brand new conversation helping spot the road bumps for you and your business. It's the news sessions. I'm Paddy O'Connell. Today we're talking about GDPR. Should we appoint already a data protection officer, even if we're a small firm? Do we need someone 
who is the data protection officer. And if I'm listening to this and I've got that moniker, am I the one who they come knocking on on the door? GDPR does say in certain circumstances it's a mandatory requirement. So all public authorities have to have a data protection officer or DPO. For other organisations, it's largely based on whether they are handling sensitive personal data on a large scale. What that means is largely a matter of degree. Uh, The law's not fully clear on it yet. Uh, My advice is, even if you don't need to appoint a data protection officer as such, certainly have someone responsible within your organisation for considering these issues, for knowing what GDPR is. The New Sessions Podcast with Paddy O'Connell from Mishkondorea. Find more of the New Sessions Podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. Every Saturday, I'm very lucky I get to talk to someone who's shaping the world of business, who's doing their thing and getting on with it and in an autonomous way too. If you've missed any of the programmes, uh, go into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers. And if you just were listening earlier, you would have heard the new sessions. That too, the full version, is available on iTunes right now. I hope I'm crossing my fingers and legs and everything else that it has magically landed in iTunes and hopefully on jazzfm.com. Um, and uh, Matt, the producer, is looking at me as if I'm crazy. Of course it's there. Uh, right now, today, though, I've got uh, John Sims Hilditch with me. He's co-founder of Neptune. And Neptune, as you heard, has morphed into a, from, a, from a hammock into a business that employs around 800 people. Uh, that is in uh, the UK, prevalent across the UK, but also across Europe, um, and they make all sorts of things for the home. Your business partner, your Giles, who you set up with, obviously you're still working together. You also work with your wife, Emma, who's the creative director. Tell me about relationships in your business, both from the perspective of someone who's married to someone important in the business. I know Emma has her own business as well, but also with Giles, because 20 years, uh, and I don't know how long you've been married for, but these are significant slugs, aren't they? They are definitely significant slugs. And um, I think like any relationship, you definitely have to work at it. Um, Giles and I are very different characters. And actually, I think um, a lot of the team, when they're not frustrated with us being different, actually say that's the the greatest benefit because we operate um, in such different ways and think about different things. And what we have learned over the years is a lot more about our differences and the benefit that they bring to business. So where we might have chafed from time to time in the past over those issues, it doesn't that doesn't really happen now. We kind of more celebrate what um, the other member of the team is bringing in and, and the different angle they're taking to something. It just makes the business stronger. So if I was to ask you, John, <laughs> the, <laughs> the thing that you celebrate most about Giles the adjective that would describe Giles or the talent that would describe Giles, what would the, the first thing that comes into your well, mind? I, I already thought of his laugh, and anybody who knows him will know what I mean. He has the most extraordinary laugh. You could probably hear it a mile away. Okay, well, that's brilliant. And what would he say about you? Um, I don't know. <laughs> that's a very interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think he would say, much as I don't want to say this, you should listen to John. <laughs> and what about you and Emma? Obviously, because you're married, uh, you've got kids, and you're also in the business together. How? How? It, what is Emma's biggest talent that she brings to the business? Well, she has, uh, as I indicated earlier, we were a garden business and fairly autonomous, Charles, and I, at that point. But as we made a decision to swing into the interiors world, Emma kind of stepped in a bit and said, "I know quite a bit about this," um, and she helped us initially styling 
Um, some we made a table and chair for the home. It's a fairly obvious, really, thing to do from all our garden furniture days. But it was different because we used to. I used to just go to a, a friend's garden and be able to take a photograph of our gar- lovely garden furniture, and it would look great. And styling wasn't really that difficult, but going indoors was really hard. And so Emma um, helped me do that first sort of styling. And that had two effects. One effect was that customers started ringing me up and asking me about the lamp and the colour of the paint and all kinds of the uh, parts of the styling that we had no uh, knowledge of or experience of. And I kind of realised that customers were as interested in the whole concept that we were presenting as they were in the in our original table and chairs so that is how emma sort of came into the business giving us that kind of advice about um the whole interior style and briefly in terms of conflict in the business between you and emma if there is any versus conflict outside of the business do do you manage those conflicts differently when it's on a professional footing or is it just the same person it's just you and emma it's 100 percent the same person and actually yeah. our business is like that i don't think we're we don't really want anybody to walk into the business and put on their corporate suit and armour. It's a, it's a very um, friendly, personal... We're a home company, we're a home business, and so we think that actually work should feel like home. There shouldn't be a difference. And uh, our, our stores and our offices are all like that. They're beautiful places to be. Um, and so, no, there is no difference. And, uh, you know, generally speaking... I, I mean, again, it's learning and we have learned over time what we're good at and what we're less good at so if we're talking about anything um uh, to do with color or fabrics or you know how it should look I, I just i might have an opinion but i would always back off if it differs from where emma's going with it because she knows better than i do on these subjects engineering i might have a stronger view and she would stand back and say yeah okay well we'll do that differently Stay with me for much more from um, my great co-founder today of the Neptune business. That's John Sims Hilditch. Uh, Time for some music right now. This is Snarky Puppy, who I really like, and it's called, I hope I say this correctly, Shoku Fan. That was Snarky Puppy with Shoku Fan. I'm talking to John Sims Hilditch today, and we've been talking about uh, a burgeoning business and relationships. You said at the beginning it was just, you know, two naive friends, young, having a bit of fun. You're now overseeing a bit of an empire. You now have upwards of 800 people or so. You're opening new stores imminently. Um, It's growing. What's the ambition now as you look forward over the next few years, John? It's, it's interesting. I mean, we are ambitious, but we're not. If that, and I'll have to try and explain what that means. So we're not sort of trying to drive the, for, the business forward at any particular rate. But at the same time, we feel that we've got a, a really important point of view and something to say. So we're kind of ambitious with what we can do with that. Um, we also talk at the, in the same breath about um, trying to create a business that lasts 100 years. And it's a sort of interesting concept that um because not many companies do and we think that um that that's a difficult thing to achieve not not least because none of us who are um creating the business today will be there um in 100 years time so we have to sort of imbue our values and our thoughts and our beliefs into the into the whole sort of bloodstream of the business really um so the ambition is is long and deep and wide actually but it's not in any particular hurry. It's just we want to do a great thing and do it steadily and do it well. Does it matter if the kids are interested or not? Do you want them to be involved in your business at all? It, it, 
it does not matter but we would be delighted if they were um so have they ever uh, said dad would you consider or can i have a go or could you teach me i uh well probably not no because our eldest daughter is a you know is a is a really keen fine artist second daughter's loving being in the uh, film world and uh the son is enjoying university life and and discovering his own life and what he wants to do so not yet nobody's burning to to do anything particularly um and i think we'll just see how it goes we haven't talked about money obviously the business turns over a fair few millions of pounds um has you know enabled you to live a life i imagine in a, in a great way because you've you you, you reap those rewards does it matter to you i mean how much does the money feature in in the way you view this business obviously a business has to turn a profit but is it about scale and about being the biggest and all this other stuff it's it's 100 percent not that um uh, you know the money is uh, i always say that the money is a consequence if we make a profit but you know business has to make a profit in order to survive but it, assuming that we can do that we do that's a consequence of our our good work uh, so it isn't the objective it's not what we set out to do but we be- we believe that if we do great things for our customers and for our team and actually sort of for the wider community then probably the business will work uh, and therefore it'll be profitable and it'll be from those profits it'll be able to grow so that's kind of the way that we look at money really Stay with me for my final chat today with John. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Natalie Cole. That's in just a moment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. was the uplifting Natalie Cole with This Will Be, and I'm sure you've been dancing, or at least attempting to dance if you're me. I've just got a few more minutes for my uh, business shapers today. That's John Sims Hilditch. I just love your surname. I could say it all. <laughs> uh, he's my co-found, co-founder of Neptune. They have been doing fabulously and grown fabulously over the last 20 years. Where is the name from, Sims Hilditch? Sims Hilditch, that is, uh, it's from sort of north of England, and it's a blend of two families from sort of late eight, um, 1800s. That's uh, proper provenance, not like my <laughs> name. I've just got a foreigner's name, been shortened. It's terrible. There's no, no heritage in my name at all. Um, there's a few things going on at the moment, in, in, in obviously, in, in the way that people are living, in the sense that people are probably the property market's a bit slower, people are staying put and deciding to renovate, which I imagine has helped your business. But at the same time, I imagine that the threat of Brexit and the cost of raw materials is also affecting your business. Yeah. On balance, how do you navigate between these forces? What, how much do you need to take into consideration the macro picture? We look at it all the time because, you know, you just have to be guarding the business carefully, making sure that you can look after your team, your um, supply chain, that everybody's um, in good shape as best as possible. So we, of course, pay attention, but we really focus on our sort of number one principle of doing the right thing and believe that if we stick to that and create absolutely beautiful products which are designed to last indefinitely you know if we have a lifetime guarantee on our kitchens for example then um we sort of think that that will win through so we we have a sort of a little bit of a blind faith i suppose that um uh, our uh, the people who know us and get to love what we do will stick by us and support us now you've got. I mentioned around eight hundred people. That's quite a responsibility. You had responsibility before when you were in the army. Do you? 
how does responsibility affect you? You don't seem, you don't appear to be the kind of person to be super stressed, but mm-hmm. I imagine you do take it quite personally that you need, you want everyone to make a living and so on. Is that is that a fair? Yeah, that's really important. So I think we we do feel a keen sense of responsibility um, and want to make sure that. Uh, you know, I mentioned this principle, do the right thing, that applies across, in, it's a 360-degree kind of thing. So it applies as much to our team as to anything else. Um, so we look really carefully at how we can try and um, take care of everybody in the organisation and and navigate the business carefully so that the, their roles are safe, that they've got, you know, not just a future, but actually hopefully something exciting to work towards. Mm. Um, and actually that is the reason we are where we are. It's not what Giles and I have done, it's because we've got amazing people who are all in their own way creative and trying to do really brilliant things and that collective effort is amazing to watch and uh, be and a real privilege to be a leader of really. And when are you at your most happiest John? When do you think you do you ever sit back with the uh, the metaphorical cigar and whiskey in the hand and go yeah I'm I'm pretty chuffed? I mean are there moments that are big spikes? Is it is it the fact that you're proud of your team or are there other things that make you feel really Fabulously, the, the biggest the biggest pride is walking in into our any of our stores or into the um, HQ in Wiltshire and just seeing everybody talking to them, picking up on what they're doing, uh, both personally and at work, and it's just it's just it's such a privilege. It's been a real privilege talking to you. Thank you, thank you for your time. Um, I have uh, learnt a lot about the discipline of the army and how it might be applied in the world of business. It sounds like you've managed to fuse precision and creativity in a really, uh, really well successful way. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Um, I've chosen uh, Gravity by John Mayer. Uh, Emma and I happened to see the Crossroads concert in 2007 and this performance just was spectacularly creative and emotional and so we were touched by it never forgotten it here it is just for you that was gravity from john mayer the song choice of my business shaper today john sims Hilditch. He talked about doing the right thing by the business so that it can still be here in a 100 years. He talked about the importance of autonomy for him, and I think that is absolutely a massive point for anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur. And importantly for the culture of his business, he talked about ensuring that people don't come to work with a corporate suit. We want people to feel at home. Really, really good stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am sharp, here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. I hope you enjoyed the programme. Thank you very much for joining me.